0: This is The Music Mentor Podcast. What is up, girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen? This is Damian, your host of The Music Mentor Podcast, and welcome to episode number 178. Today, I'm stoked, honored, excited to bring you a conversation slash interview that I had with Toby Morse, singer of H2O, one of the most important bands in my life. Toby has been an idol and a positive influence in my career, my life as a person. Uh, H2O is the reason why I'm straight edge and why I was straight edge. <laughs> Mine is that uh, little window when uh, I lived in Venezuela and rum and cheap cigarettes were a part of my life but that's not my life anymore and anyway Toby's somebody that i admire for his positivity his um the way he sees life the way he sees people's lives the way he sees animals lives and i can go on and on forever and this is a long one so um, I'm not going to get into much detail. Quick shout-out before I get started to all the companies that I endorse. Zildjian Cymbals, Vader Drumsticks, LP Percussion, Evans Drumheads, Gibraltar Hardware, Yucca Tape, Simpad Accessories, Nirvana Handpans, and of course, last but not least, Ultimate Ears, In-Ear Monitors. And if you're looking for a new set of ears or your very first pair of molds, look no further, check out Ultimate Ears. And if you email my friend Joe Lester, who works at Ultimate Ears, and he is here in LA at 3rd Encore. Uh, You can email him at uh, ultimateaudiojoe at gmail.com and you give him the code DA20 and you will get a 20% discount across the board. So here we go. Check out this profanity-filled interview and we talk about his foundation, we talk about his veganism, we talk about his love for skating, bands that he loves, and a million other things. My friends look out for me like family.
1: shut the fuck up hear what i'm saying
0: toby one kenobi what's up dude what's up how are you dude i'm great <clears throat> thank you so much for allowing me to come to your home for for the hundredth time. hundredth time it's always great to, um, to get to chat and hang out yeah you always did my brother
1: pleasure. recently too right
0: i did uh, a few months ago actually uh which was really really cool we talked about the launch of his record and all that yeah. all that stuff but um, I just I know we both are a little bit short on time, so I'm going to go a little quick fire type of situation. But Sorry. before we start, I wanted to give you um, a little backstory. I've, I, I might have told you this before about how you and your music came into my life and how uh, why I'm so thankful of that on, in many different ways. So back, as you know, I'm from Venezuela. Yeah. I moved to Brookline, Massachusetts in 95. And up until then, I was listening to a lot of metal music with... Sort of like a darker message, you know, and I never really paid attention to lyrics. I paid attention to like the vibe and all that stuff. And then I started going to school. I started skateboarding. And, you know, the people I was socializing with were not the coolest crowd. A lot of smoking, a lot of drinking. And I had this band called Aberrant Youth. Um, What's that mean? It's just like Aberrant is like sick, distorted, you know, uh, almost like medically insane type of behavior. Um, and w- both of those guys were super heavy into smoking and drinking all that shit and I thought I started being like that's what I need to do Yeah. so they had a party one day and I had planned to smoke and drink and do the whole thing it was like a plan right and parallel to this my dad had had a brain tumor and I kind of saw him have seizures and it was like kind of messed me up and I was like yeah. this is a normal thing I gotta cope somehow and I decided to go to the party And I was super nervous because I've always been sort of anti-drug and all that shit. And when I was right about to try some stuff, I remembered H2O's music playing in my head. And, you know, Family Tree and obviously, you know, Five-Year Plan and all that stuff. And something came a hold of me and I literally with the joint in my hand, I was like, hold on a second, I got to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom and I kind of snuck away. I called my mom. To pick me up. We were in like Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts (laughs) and shit. Like the most upper class bullshit. And I was so embarrassed by her picking me up. I asked her to drop, you know, pick me up down the street and I took my skateboard and I said I had to go or whatever. But that moment single-handedly was responsible for me not doing drugs or drinking, smoking for many, many years. That's awesome. So I want to thank you for that in case I hadn't told you that. That's amazing. Um, And I know you've made a massive impact on a lot of people. And, oh, were you then I was uh, 13 14 okay. or something like that and there was a gap in my life where I started drinking uh, alcohol and smoking cigarettes and then actually when we when we met in person this was like in 2012 or something like that I quit again and okay. I've been I've been sober for about Seven years, I think? It's awesome. Um, But anyway, I don't want to make this about me. I just wanted to thank you and paint a picture. That's amazing, Um, yeah. And also, H2O was my first introduction to hardcore and punk music. Okay. So one of the questions that I have gotten asked before, and I want to ask an expert like yourself, is what do you see as the difference between hardcore and punk?
1: That's a great question. Um, I've been asked that maybe more than hundred times but this is my answer i've been giving lately because it's uh as i get older look back on it for me uh punk rock that i heard growing up was like um first was the sex pistols was like never mind the bollocks right the dead kennedys nazi punks fuck off um circle
0: jerks group sex those records which i love right but those are completely different right we're talking about like when you say sex pistols it's more like digestible not so much about the message necessarily for yeah it's you, just right? punk and aggressive right.
1: and wild and crazy and there's other shit like you know Anarchy and Fuck Your Parents and all that shit all that stuff is cool I, I love that music I love those albums but I actually liked my mom and I didn't hate my parents and I didn't know what Anarchy was and I didn't know what Bullocks was, was Never nevermind the Bullocks and I could skate to it that's why I liked it because skateboarding right. and punk rock went hand in hand the aggressiveness of it and the aggressiveness of skating So then I found Minor Threat after that in seven seconds, and those bands had actual messages that I could relate to. Like, I can skate to it, and these guys are saying you don't have to drink and do drugs to be cool. And I hadn't tried anything yet because I was 13, just like when you heard H2O, you're 13. And, uh, excuse me, I was like, holy shit, I don't have to drink and do drugs to be cool, and these guys are fucking amazing, and they're aggressive, I can skate to them. And so right then I can, I feel like the messages are different I feel like punk rock was like anarchy and fuck everything and fuck your parents and fuck the world and I feel like hardcore was like let's let's do things to make the world better let's, let's change ourselves let's, let's change ourselves within let's not be followers let's not you know we're the black sheep but let's actually you know we don't have to do drugs and get crazy and be anti-everything we could actually like be like you know help the planet help the animals so I feel like Punk was like, fuck everything, and Hark was kind of like, let's fix some things, let's fix everything. And Got it. That's a
0: great it was point more. Point.
1: It was more positive and more like, you know, trying to do, make things better than just say fuck it.
0: Right it's yeah,
1: easier to say fuck than it is to try to do something, make something better, you know. Yeah, because
0: I mean, I did listen. To, I mean, I said you were my first introduction to, to hardcore. Really, is what I meant. Because I was listening to other kinds of punk, you know, like yeah. Green Day and a bunch of other stuff, yeah. you know. But when I put that record on and I heard my friends look out for me like family, I was like, "Holy shit, what is this?" Yeah, There's no Megadeth, no Metallica, none of those bands yeah. saying about that, and, you know. And that was a <laughs> I, that was a game changer for me, which was that was pretty cool. So what? Do you keep up with the? Because I know you're a lover like myself of older music. Yeah. Your older bands that you like, you know, Minor Threat and, and Descendants and all that shit that you love that that I like as well. Uh, do you listen to any new hardcore or punk music? Um, I don't really. I
1: listen to it, but I, but I, I'm I'm in I'm in tune with what's going on. I love, I think Turnstile is one of the greatest newest bands out because uh, they mix like a whole bunch of great parts of different bands that I love growing up and put it together and have their own style of doing it. And they're super energetic live. They're great kids and um, they're a great band. So they're doing really well right now as deserved and they are definitely are on my radar. There's a, there's a bunch of bands but honestly having a kid I'm more in tune of like the hip hop. I'm right. more in tune of right, right, like right, right. the young hip hop that's on the radio and stuff. My son's bringing home playing me this stuff and because that's what he's into. So um, I'm really in tune with I've always been in tune with hip hop my whole life. Always been a hip hop head, almost more than hardcore at some points. But now, you know, with my son listening to all, all the littles and stuff and different groups, I'm really in tune. I know a lot about that and pop culture and right, <clears throat> really because of my son. So, back the hardcore. At- I mean, the bands I've seen, there's, there's a lot of young bands that I, I like a lot of stuff. I just probably can't tell you the names of it all or right. have the records, but the, the main one is Turnstile.
0: Turnstile. Oh, and there, I'm sure there's also a difference between. Like the times, right? Maybe years ago, if somebody would have told you about social media when you were back in the day, roading for sick of it all, yeah. you would have been like, fuck off, dude. I don't have one. That's like selling out. Yeah. And now it's like a thing and you have to it, it's it's stay, it, right? you you stay relevant. It's got to stay relevant. Things, right? your band, yeah. it's. And do you feel or back in the day when you were a hip hop head, how many of your friends because I went through something similar. Uh. In that I listened to metal, but I also grew up listening to salsa music, and I was never I never had enough cred with the metal kids because I was Latino and listened to salsa music or listened to Backstreet Boys or Michael Jackson or whatever, yeah. And vice versa with those kids, I was like the token metal guy. With you growing up in New York, obviously the home of you know hardcore and hip hop
1: at the same time at the same time
0: thriving, right? You couldn't escape it. That's insane. So were you an exception? to the rule of loving both or was it a pretty common thing in, in among hardcore punkers? And- 100%
1: common. With all my friends common. We had a hardcore show at a Sunday matinee one day or at a hip-hop club that night. It's like going to see hardcore shows and hip-hop shows at night. That's amazing. And it was all the energy of the city. It was it was the people I met and grew up with and, and, and from New York and the shows we saw and then my wife worked at the Palladium and the Limelight and she had... Access for all my friends that come see like Wu Tang's first performance of Protect Your Neck. Wow. Uh, Dude, she used to serve Tupac drinks there. I saw um, De La. So I've seen so many groups through my wife's when she worked there. You know, wow. And the different friends working like Lou from Sick of It All's girlfriend at the time worked at the Ritz. We got to every single Ritz show, whether it was like Ministry or Fergazi or Public Enemy. Wow. And I've I have all these newspaper clippings cut out I have every single ticket stuff saved i have, I have like 20 photo albums. i saved everything wow um That's so impressive. yeah so i get to go see like third base at nyu then go see a harper show then go see black sheep or naughty by nature eric being rock wow it was we just in that mix and we loved it we used to go to hip-hop clubs we'd be like the main only like tattered up white boys at the clubs
0: at some of these clubs man right and that in, in the city how were you embraced those you know Skinhead looking dudes, or all that it, it it at the hip hop clubs.
1: It was crazy because somehow our look, I was, I got, they invited, I was in the house, well, I met. Everlast, because I have my shirt off at a, at a heart, I just show the House of Pain play with like Downset or some rage against And I was in the pit and I had racism on my back, and that's where Everlast met me. They asked me to be in their video of Shamrocks and Shenanigans. Right. And then because of like, there was this crossover like with Biohazard and Onyx, we got to be in the Bionics video, then Onyx asked me to be in their Massive Slam video, and then Shifty video, and then. So like, all like these. Our like whole crew have tatted up like dudes in New York. We started being all these hip hop videos. We're like, getting major play on television.
0: You've been on so many videos, dude. Yeah. So you released video. You uh, were on. Is it was it Time Bomb or Ruby Sun? Time so? Bomb Time Bomb. And then Adam was in the Thunderstruck video.
1: Adam's Thunderstruck video. That's crazy. And then um, House of Pain videos. And then the CIV video. Wait one minute more, which is a massive song back. Oh, then. you were
0: on that video. I'm like
1: oh shit. I'm like with my shirt off, uh, stroking it. And a leopard thong dancing down the aisles.
0: So, excuse my ignorance. Siv was, was it one of the guys from Youth of Today? Gorilla Biscuits singer. Oh, Gorilla Biscuits. That's yeah. right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Cool.
1: So I was in a lot of, a lot of videos in the nineties, man. That's and then because of that, they asked us all to be like, you know, in different like tattoo magazines, and then I was in Details magazine. Just random, like I don't know, like just the time in the nineties and being the right place, at the right time, I guess. And
0: that's awesome. So obviously, you know. You're a podcaster. You have your incredible podcast. Thanks to you and your and help. You, oh, it dude. It's the least I can do. So you, a lot of people, or people can just check check that out to know more about yourself and all those details. But um, you've had a phenomenal life and you're a great father. Thank you. You are um, a great husband. It's all about positivity and all that, all that stuff. And, you know, it's interesting to look back and see if your current life is a result of, the music, or the music, is a result of who you were as a person, and all this sort of chicken and egg thing—that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, you obviously don't struggle with with uh, optimism or positivity. You're you're kind of surround yourself with that. But do you feel a need to listen to sad music because you don't really feel those feelings? At some, like I need to listen <laughs> to like Jeff Buckley and ours and. Um, The Smiths and some of The Cure, who I know you love. Yeah. When I need to tap into that sadness that I never feel. I'm never sad. Yeah, that's
1: interesting because Coldplay is my favorite band, and they're so positive. Yeah. Their live shows, everything about them. I actually got to meet, meet Chris, um... They're super positive. When I listen to the music, I get super emotional. But there's a history with Coldplay and certain songs of me and my son bonding to them when he was younger right. and then taking my son to see Coldplay every time they came to town and singing these songs together. So when I hear these songs when I'm not with my son, it freaks me out and I get emotional. And the same thing is happening to my son now where... He'll be he, Coldplay will come on and he'll call me. say say, "I love you, Coldplay." I'm getting emo. It's like I hate you. Like you me, <laughs> make me make me sad because of this band. But Coldplay is nothing sad. They're all positive. But when I hear them, I get the emotion. Same with the Cure, dude. Yeah. Cure made me so emotional. Moon's like, why are you so emotional listening to Cure? They made me happy. They're supposed to make you happy, but I don't know those two main. And you two also. Yeah, you two. There's three bands.
0: Um, I was just talking to one of my students about it the other day. Uh, that that kind of world I always sort of catalog as. Like hopeful nostalgia. Like there's something nostalgic about it, but also happy, and it's just push, pull, pull. And I think you've been able to do that on some some of the H2O songs. Of course, I can't think one off the top of my head right now. Um, but um maybe like surrounded, I think, kinda gives me that vibe mm. as well. And some of the stuff on FTTW, like helpless, not hopeless, um, there's just something about that that's kind of this push-pull of positive stuff but the harmony is a little sort of more on the darker side. Maybe the Um, harmony gets
1: me emotional. I don't know what it is but like those bands are supposed to make you feel good and when I see them live and me feel good yet there's something about Coldplay that really fucks me up like Pulls my heartstrings. It's really weird, man. I was telling them the other day, like they're my favorite band in the world, but I couldn't name any member except for Chris.
0: Right. I'm not really. I'm not. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, weird. I feel you. So back in the day, you had hardcore and punk. You had hip hop. When did you start embracing other kinds of music?
1: Um, when I lived, when I moved to New York and lived with the Gula Biscuits house with Walter from Quicksand, Alan Cage, and Civ Walter was bringing home like the Smiths and the Sugar Cubes and Bjork. Yeah. And here I am with these like major hardcore influences in the prime time of New York City hardcore. Youth Today, Gorilla Biscuits, um, and they're playing this other time. I was like, "Holy shit!" Because
0: Did you know I, those dudes were like making history? No. Could you feel it?
1: Just, no, and that's it's just it. your voice. And right. I sang in that record Star Today, and that's like a, one of the most powerful, impactful records of my life. And I, I didn't feel it as that when I was in it, but they definitely inspired me to become vegetarian. That, that when I was living with them, but. But just bring this other diverse music home. I'm like I'm like, holy shit. Because I had listened to like Bob Marley and hip hop, obviously. And then I got, for a while, I was in my <clears throat> punk only shit. Punk and skateboarding only, fuck everything else, fuck the radio, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then as, as I got older, I appreciated the radio pop songs. And, you know, we had, we we listened to other types of music, U2 back then, and just getting the other influences from pop music, bringing it into H2O sound, the melodies and stuff. But like, yeah, I, yeah, maybe because at a young age I was, you know, listening to other types of music because it was, because it's, I, I thought at a young age that I don't want to have this blinders on, just be closed minded, just listen to one, one drama of music. It's so boring yeah, when you do that. Yeah, the worst. You yeah. know, and so like when you hear about U2, you find out who U2 is influenced by, so you find out about other bands. And it's just like, it just, I love the Oasis. Right.
0: So are there any band, any songs? from your H2O catalog that were like directly inspired by a different like Shade who I know you love or uh, Madonna or any of that stuff
1: I mean the Madonna cover obviously on the Go record that was a right. massive thing for us but I think like more on the Go record like I kind of just we kind of just went with like everything we were inspired at that moment and not really worrying about like keeping it so punk and hardcore this is bring out every melody we could do you know and go kind of extreme with it got it and um <laughs> That one, that whole record's probably more inspired than by pop than more than hardcore. But um I don't know, I think my brothers had a lot to do with it too. My brothers listened to The Cure. Yeah. She was the Banshees, Bob House. Todd's the yeah. more of the Stones, Todd's more like the more the rock ACDC Oh, guy. oh you were talking about Tracy. And then Tracy was got more the got. cure gothic original goth brother we had and so with all that shit they were bringing on the house too. They and opened my eyes to that shit too. Like you can't just listen to white tiger music
0: right because then uh, and, and then as a songwriter when you when the band how does it work with H2O do people have the music first and you come in with lyrics on a piece of paper or they got the music and the melodies so you come and Tom up Tom with Morrison,
1: a... Tom, Tom Morrison and Rusty wrote songs too for sure got it they wrote songs together like I didn't write I didn't write one lyric and one song me or Adam on the whole Go album really nothing wow and we talked about it on the podcast but that's just a record that like
0: Yeah, I remember. It was we weren't like,
1: really excited about going to major we weren't really excited about the direction that we were we weren't really excited about doing in California and we were like burnt and touring and so I kind of like that's the one maybe regret I have is that I didn't write anything and I wasn't mentally there for that record. Right. The record turned out really overproduced and really polished and candy coated.
0: Why do you think you weren't their I don't know. I think it
1: was because we weren't all 100 on the same page of the direction we wanted to go, on the direction of leaving Epitaph, scared of going to a major, right? And then working with a brand new producer we had worked with, um, Larry Boxbaum, on the first two records, and then Brett Gerwitz who we love and trusted, right? And we took a chance, and we took it was taking a drastic chance to go to this label and do this. I don't know. I just felt like. I kind of let my brother and Russi take the reins for a second, I guess, in a sense. Right. Well, yeah, I think of what was my baby, right? And then we're like,
0: you know. Well, at the same time, you know, you kind of have to surrender. It's like if you have a single parent that has been raising a kid. Not, I'm not saying that they weren't part yeah. of the whole records. I'm saying, as a singer, let's just say yeah. you're part front and center of this whole thing, lyricist, and all this shit, and then at some point. The, the, the other parent comes in, in the scene and you're like alright fine you take this kid while I go on vacation yeah. for a little bit you know type of situation yeah and what's the uh, how are you guys doing right now as a band like I know you're going to Europe in a couple of couple tomorrow or, no two days Friday yeah. yeah
1: doing great we're celebrating 25 years as a band right now we've been Amazing. doing a bunch of we did punk rock bowling we just did the bash we did the warp tour um, we had 22 shows in a row kicking off Saturday in London taking our friend's battery and mm-hmm. sharp sharp and then yeah, I'm excited. This is gonna be the longest tour we've ever done in ten years. Wow. We usually do like two weeks in comeback. We used to go to Europe twice twice a summer. Got it. But now we're making just
0: one one long one. Yeah.
1: And then we have like two weeks in the fall with comeback kids starting at Riot Fest for this this year, which is really cool about. I'm psyched about that. It's
0: What's great. your favorite city in, in Europe to play mm. or to visit?
1: Berlin's dope. It's like the vegan Mecca, so it's Is it? I've yeah, never been to awesome. Berlin. Berlin's can... dope. Yeah. Belgium's great. England's great. They're all great in their own yeah. way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Europe is really good to us, man.
0: And We started late with Europe. You did, right? Because you first Not went to... Not for nothing to
1: prove, really, in 2008.
0: Right. But before that, you had been to South yeah. America, right?
1: We've had to South America. We have been to Europe. We canceled Europe a bunch of times. Like we just... we we Our goal was to be big in America where we are from first. And then we accomplished that in the 90s as being bigger and... Bigger over in America than we were other places. Right. But really didn't realize that we met anything in the place we didn't go there. So when we started going to Europe, we've been nonstop since 2008 going there and it's been really great for us. We waited. Well, all of our other friends did the hard work and paved the way for us. Right. We were really lucky that the people cared, you know?
0: That's awesome, man. And um, not to backtrack, but Back I don't want to overlook your love for Madonna and you were in her book? Yeah. So what was that about?
1: Yeah, so I met Madonna at CBGB's <clears throat> On the night before Lollapalooza in New York in the 90s, they were gonna, and she was there for some. It was like a Cypress Hill Booyah Tribe show. It' seems I don't know why the fuck she was there. I was with all my friends, and she just walked in with Freddie DeMan, who was her manager. And I actually had a picture from my wallet, which is creepy. I had Madonna tattoo, and I went up to her and got her autograph. Um, wait, wait,
0: you had a tattoo prior? Yeah.
1: For, so. Yeah, I had my, <laughs> I had my so, like true blue tattoo, and I showed it to her. My Madonna tattoo, yeah.
0: Wow. So I showed her that. So why did you? When did you get that? How, how? in the early
1: nineties, like ninety-one. And you, right? I loved I was you love her music. With her, Got it. Obsessed with her. Yeah. And I met her was sick, and then not too soon after that, she was going to be trying to sign Rancid. It was this huge thing where she was sending them naked pictures and from her book and trying to solicit them to sign. And that's so like
0: Maverick <clears throat> Records. Or yeah. Something? Okay. And
1: so we opened up the show in New York at the Roseland. I remember being on stage.
0: What a venue. And dude.
1: Moon's like waving at me and she's pointing and. And looked down, and she's standing behind Madonna, and the VIPs, I was like, oh, shit. So after the show, we'll get downstairs, and Lars, the brought us down The meet the guys in Singapore, and he's like, why don't you meet somebody? And when I walked up and saw her, she goes, I know you. You have a tattoo of me. And everybody just was like, it got completely silent. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. She grabbed my arm and showed it to Freddie DeMann. And then there was this weird, quick moment, and it was just pretty surreal. And then somehow I was contacted a couple of years later to be in this Book this Madonna book and tell my story. So I got a whole page in this Madonna book called Madonna Style, and I tell my story. I meet her at CB's and my tattoo wow. and covering her song and it's pretty crazy, man. That like, and then after that, after I met her a while and found Moon, I was like, that's my real Madonna. I get rid of all my pictures. I have pictures on my wall, of Madonna right, like right shrine right. and shit. But that's yeah, it was crazy. pretty awesome meeting her. It was pretty surreal.
0: That's awesome, man. But I'd love to
1: meet her again someday. We'll
0: I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Um, In my old that, age. that's one, you know, for anybody that follows you on, on Instagram and, and knows you, you know, you, for a pretty okay dude, you have really cool friends. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got some, good so things, you have yeah.
0: some, some awesome I have a diverse people, group you know? of friends. Yeah. And you know, on that note of, of Madonna, um, since she's a female, I think we both are feminists and we both yeah. love the female figure and you know, what females stand for and the, yeah. the equality that's needed. Now more than ever, and you know you, you surround yourself with great women. Obviously, Moon, a phenomenal mother. Yeah, uh, you're friends with people like Haley from Paramore. Obviously, Kat Von D. Yeah. um Juliet from Juliet in the Lakes and stuff like that. Juliet Lewis, um, badass. Ba- all badass women. Were you always like that, or was there a, some point in your life where you started? Being more sensitive and sensible towards women. No, I
1: always loved the Sundays and Cranberries, one of my two favorite groups growing up. Okay, cool. Sundays and Cranberries are fucking... And I love Sinead O'Connor. I got to meet her. Oh, you did? Wow. It's a crazy story. Um, I'm going to talk about my podcast one day. Actually, I did. I talked about it coming up on the Hawaii We have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, It's a crazy story. Um, Sinead, Madonna, Sade, the Cranberries, the Sundays. I love No Doubt. I always... I I don't know. I was like... Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Fuck, man. Um, Tina Turner. Joan Jett blondie fucking
0: plasmatics well you love bjork as well that's you, awesome
1: yeah so like i've always it didn't matter if, like i said if i like the music and the sound it didn't, didn't matter if it was a girl or boy but like, yeah man
0: that's you know dancehall
1: what? crashers remember well, them in the 90s
0: no i don't i I'm two th- girls
1: singers ska no, band
0: i don't remember that yeah um i do remember though when i went to see you guys play uh adele, of
1: course adele now adele yeah you
0: exactly. love adele exactly I would say five, six months ago when I went to see you guys play at yeah. the hi hat or something. And you told me you this was uh improvised basically. You came up with it on the spot. But you were I forget which song you were gonna play. Fuck, I wish I remember. And you stopped everybody from moshing and you requested that only the females would mosh pit.
1: Oh yeah, you circle pit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: circle pit. And then you made their boyfriends. Literally hang out onto their purses As and their jacket. It's while, fucking. Yeah. It was so awesome. I almost cried, around. dude. I oh, almost cried. Awesome. I saw these big <laughs> tatted dudes just holding on to purses that you know they were like testosterone driven. They're like totally. they just wanted to fuck people up in the, yeah. in the mosh pit, but they were holding on to purses and yeah. pink hoodies and stuff like. That. It was amazing, and the girls just felt so free, like. Finally, like, this had never happened in their lives. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, man. That was dope. Thank you. I always pride ourselves on having lots of girls at our shows. Yeah. Lots of girls
1: up front, lots of girls diving, girls in the pit. Because, like, being a New York band is a, is a stigma about it and the, the tough and the, the hard edge crowd and the violence and all that shit. Um, that girls always... St- always played the back at certain shows I would go to because they were scared to get hit you know right so when we came out on our first evidence, we had a love song called I Know Why and we had songs about relationships yeah 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 and um, showed our sensitivity being from the New York scene I know uh, we always had girls from day one I loved it always at our shows and diving and shit and my wife comes from Chicago and she comes from like a girl uh, girls up front posse don't quote me if that chick's up front or girls up front there's a book coming out about it she had a whole girl up front crew Awesome, they go man. on the shows and fucking dance. Because it was, I was like, hold my jacket. I'm going to go dance. But well, why can't the girls have fun too, you know? Of course. They love the music too. Yeah.
0: Not just boys fun, exactly. right? Exactly. Seven Seconds is one of the greatest. Um, and you you are a great lyricist and, and, you know, writer. How much of writing do you do that's not for the band? Do you ever write for yourself, like poetry or anything like that? I
1: don't, but I'm starting to write a book now inspired by the podcast. I've been writing <laughs> stuff about... My life, you know what I mean? That's great. Yeah. And so for me, with my lyrics, how it goes is like, I'll write a bunch of things. I'll pick us like either Todd or when I work with "Chaff chap, uh, nothing to prove. I pick topics I want to write about. and I write all my, everything comes off, comes to mind from each topic. Right. And either my brother or Chad will help me make it because I really bad handwriting too. I put them in order to make it make sense. Got it. Make it all make sense and flow correctly. Artists write all kinds of shit down. Right. Like skateboarding or relationships, I just start writing shit down. So that's how my brother would help with structures and shit like that. Interesting. And Tom Morris wrote, wrote a bunch of songs too, a lot of great songs. Cool, man. Because before, before he was in the band, it was just me, Rusty, Eric Rice, and uh, Max Capshaw. First album.
0: Who's a, yeah, the... Yeah, Matt...
1: Oh, actually, first album, Tom Morse, But our first demos in 7 Inches was before.
0: Who played bass on the first record? Eric Rice. Eric Rice, that's right. Who's an amazing tattoo artist now. That's a, we'll and talk father. about we'll talk about tattoos in a second. But, um, so to finish off on the sort of H2O tip in, in hardcore stuff, if you meet somebody that wants to know the most important hardcore albums, not your favorite ones, the most important, for example, if somebody asked me about like my favorite guitar players, I wouldn't say Jimi Hendrix. Okay. If somebody asked me about the most important guitar players, the first one I'll tell you would be Jimi Hendrix. Right, you see what I'm saying? So... Yeah what are some must listen to hardcore records just off the top of your head I'm, you're, you're gonna forget many obviously but seven seconds new wind
1: anything minor threat gorilla Biscuit, start today killing time bright side chrome magazine quarrel sick of it all blood sweat no tears gnostic front victim, victim in pain war zone don't forget the struggle don't forget the streets Fuck, we're doing hardcore now only. Suicidal Tendency's first record. Okay. Uh, Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye, Bad Brains, Quickness, Bad Brains, anything Bad Brains. Oh, shit. But I can't I can't get a punk because I know I get punked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, I know cause, it's cause, an unfair question. Because Rancid, yeah. Outcome The Wall is one of my favorite records of all time.
0: Right. Front yeah, I was back, just listening to it a couple, couple of nights ago. It was so good. Perfect album. So good.
1: But hardcore, there's like, fuck, man. There's so many, dude.
0: I mean I, I asked you for that and then we get Nasty, which is you know right. kind of
1: punk hardcore I love Nasty, big influence
0: but then you got punk you have Descendants dude you remember Tree from Boston yeah yeah, yeah. I saw him play at like yeah. a fest or something I was it was like it was like it wasn't the heaviest band but it was the heaviest yeah. band it was some interesting shit Tree and then also um,
1: a hardcore like California instead you know a great band from our uh, hair Australia's band Uniform Choice first record Screaming for Change so many fucking records, in Cali, man. Yeah, I want to oh, listen to
0: a bunch of those shit, the, those records. So going back to the tattoo stuff from Eric that you mentioned, uh, you're basically tattooed your whole body, um, what, <laughs> what's, what, and you have so many random band tattoos and all that stuff, Hundreds. which I love. What was the the most painful tattoo?
1: Most painful tattoo would be your palms. That's like the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life, man. The worst. It's all your nerves. You never think it is, but it's really painful. Also, your butt. The butt's pretty painful, too. It doesn't seem like it is because it's cheeks. soft tissue. All of that. And then, yeah. and then deep inside under them.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Pretty it's pretty gnarly. And tender. then third would be feet.
1: No, your ditch is behind your knees.
0: Yeah. Oh, you have those tattoos. Behind yeah, your that's knees. Crazy. Yeah, Oof. that's pretty rough. Um, those are the
1: three. Palms are number one. Yeah. I've never felt nothing. The head's easy. Palms is something I never felt before in my life, man.
0: The head... You have a head tattoo? I never saw it.
1: Yeah, sides, yeah. back. all
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. Um sorry. And if I were to get an H2O tattoo, what would you say I should get? What would be mean, something meaningful to you? Because you've seen... You've seen them all. You've seen One Life, One Chance. You've seen all that shit. Is there one that you're looking for that you're like, fuck, man. If I... If somebody ever came up with this, this would be it. That would favorite, be it. What's your
1: favorite album, though?
0: I have... I mean that's I'm
1: doing do FTTW here for sure
0: FTTW is 20 years old right now, my so. favorite record because it's the most amount of songs that I love
1: on one record boom
0: boom 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 sex, boom. boom. Sex. just not it's and it's the I believe it's the longest record you have Probably. in duration so I remember I remember the impact that the first record had but FTTW I was eagerly await. like when when Thicker Than Water came out it was like I bought the CD my sister bought me the CD or something one of the yeah. times she came back from Boston to Venezuela but FTTW I had waited after Thicker Than Water I'm like okay when's the next one coming out <laughs> awesome. and I waited and then so That's FTTW was later, like yeah. that was the one that, that meant a lot to me and actually to geek out for a second I had this class at Berkeley College of Music about songwriting and they asked us as homework to bring lyrics that are very meaningful to us and you know everybody brought like Stevie Wonder and the yeah. Beatles and all this, basically predictable shit. <laughs> and I brought a song from FTTW. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I want to see if you can get it. That is, fuck it. I'm just gonna tell you. Okay, you wanna try? Well, so it's the lyrics are just so. This is what it is. Um, let me see if I can give you a clue. Starts with a vowel. I guess. Can I come? No. On your feet. No. it was It's a deep cut. Help us not help us? It was one of my favorites. It was easy to be anti. Oh,
1: yeah. It's so easy to be
0: anti. Yeah. The lyrics are like, around. they couldn't be any more plain and clear and be Fuck, like, dude, I that, shit. that song was had a big impact. And uh, I mentioned it on, in class. I read it, you know, and I had a couple of those like snobs. Like, you're like, oh, you're doing hardcore and all this bullshit. And... <laughs> When we did the H2O uh, acoustic jam here at your house, one of those dudes reached out. No and way. And he was like, oh, dude, I remember you like that band. That's so awesome. And I wanted to be like, yeah, you fuck. It's he's on the he's Yeah. <laughs> he was
1: being anti. He was yeah, he, he was. Anti. Totally. He was being yeah. that
0: guy. Yeah, that's funny. There's uh, a good
1: song. I heard this song a long time.
0: Yeah. So maybe something from FTTW, Helpless Not Hopeless. I mean... I'm, I, I think that would be a cool tat yeah yeah that would be cool I oh, the three I love that yeah. logo too follow through and it's interesting because when you guys some of the stupid shit that, that go through my mind on the first record I think it's in Surrounder when you call out Stigma I always thought you said Steamboat <laughs> <laughs> and my I wife never, does that too with yeah. different songs and what was the other one we were just Oh, that I didn't know what FTTW meant until the end of this, you know, follow yeah. the three-way, which I assume is but no whole, cigarettes, no drugs, no alcohol, blow. Up. But
1: the whole right. thing was like everybody was saying, fuck the world. Let's do something positive, not fuck the world. That's our whole, we want to flip FTW, which is the classic
0: right. tattoo, fuck the world. Yeah.
1: Let's do something better than that. That's why we changed it.
0: At some point, it thought it was like a play on following thicker than water.
1: It, it could have been that. We wrote right. that down, actually.
0: Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Found cool. the
1: truth within, faster Found than Found the, the truth world, within, right, that's right. Follow the three-way. Following thicker in Water. Dude, we had all this written down. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. That's cool, man. Fuck
1: so many meetings for that.
0: Yeah. And so now you obviously are a successful singer, songwriter from an emblematic band. But you've always, in the most positive sense of the word, you've been hustling. You flip yeah. shoes. You do a bunch of stuff. So when did that entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial think come about and did you have a lot of like odd jobs growing up? And
1: My mom said on my podcast where it came from is that my grandparents used to take me to um, Bradley's every Saturday and buy me a Matchbox car because I collected Matchbox cars and I had like 60 of them and finally when I got to a point where I didn't care about anymore and I was into skateboarding I went down the end of my street and uh, Providence Rowland sat on the curb and sold them all and made like $60 and then all those cars that my grandparents had gotten me that I was growing up I sold just sold them all and bought my first skateboard equipment And she's like that's when you became like a hustler nice. always selling shit you know and then fast forward you know I've been doing my own merch for over 10 years now and so that that became like a now it's like I, I do it when I want to do it but it's I'm my own boss but that's been my full time full time income is my merchandise my store right I do it right out of my house all by myself I design it I ship it I answer all questions 24 hour service they know it's coming directly from me I sign their shit they DM me I'm like full on DIY dad that's incredible. I do it, all that and yeah. that and that's built that's, that's gotten bigger and bigger the past five years
0: that's incredible because I do
1: limited runs of shit right so that's for my number one source of income
0: that's incredible the
1: Nonprofit. no I made money from that but that went back into getting more schools that, that was hard because I did like 30 schools pretty much DIY all you know
0: yeah yeah, and and uh, as far as the entrepreneurship stuff, what advice would you have to somebody, uh, or for somebody that wants to do that kind of stuff? Or you just
1: got to do it because there's so many people I know that like ask me how to do it and say, how do you do that and how you people bug out that like I don't have to have a job like I do this myself. Right. You just got to do it, and I do all of it, and it's like people talk about DIY, but when it gets down to do it, they rather have somebody else do it who's going to take. 10-15% of their money and I do it all out of my house you know you just, if you really want to do it and do it my whole thing is that I don't want to have a boss like I've had bosses growing up i worked construction I've worked as a dishwasher I worked at Subway I worked um, with asbestos I've worked wow um what are some other shitty shit you, I,
0: you worked at Roadrunner right
1: worked at Roadrunner in the mayor room. I worked at Concrete Marketing in the, in the mayor room um I worked out here for Golden Voice, loading gear at Fonder for almost a year and a half. Wow, dude! Um, what else? I worked on movie sets. Out with my friend Antonio, I worked on like setting up sets for movies and commercials with Antonio, my friend Josh from Shift, for about a year.
0: All while you were touring and doing. In the between, band the, thing. in the wow. between, we had a
1: hiatus in between the Go record and, and uh, nothing to Prove.
0: And was were these seven years were these jobs that you needed the income, or you just wanted to feel active and do something?
1: When I was going to become a parent and uh, this is before I merchandise, so I needed it. So it was before I did, you know, we invested a bunch of our money to buy the house, all that. But like when I needed to get cash and money like that and I didn't have, was it was before like social media, before the online shit and the store stuff. And so that's before that. Yeah. But then right at the end of doing... Um, Golden Boy shit Where I was Taking pictures with kids As I'm loading their gear And they asked me Why I'm pushing their gear Because they're a fan of my band All that crazy shit Happened at all these Punk shows was wow. Pretty crazy
0: How did that make you feel? How it was, was actually
1: pretty cool It was uh, it was, uh, And I worked with I hired like Danny Boy From House of Pain I hired all my friends To work there with me At different jobs It was pretty awesome Like what are do you doing know, so I'm working I mean, how about, I'm about a kid You know what I mean Like they respected right. it But then all of a sudden At that that's moment punk, dude That's hard. Yeah and then, and then at that moment That's when Chad's like Yo it's time for a new record I want to produce your record we need and then that's when bridge nine came up and everything changed after that seven years hiatus we've been non-stop touring since 2008 till now wow. Like everything changed like people could have forgot about us or hated us from that a lot of people hated to love that go record and they waited for seven years we put that record out and that was like our comeback record that record changed everything dude the timing of that record the production with chad being on bridge nine at that prime time of bridge nine and kids actually caring about the band and us not going to europe too many times that's when we became like Europe got it changed everything man because I was like dude when I, when I was working that job I'm like dude I'm never doing this job again I'm never gonna do this kind of shit anymore like yeah, I, I need to do done. music and I was and it, that inspired me to actually make write songs you know and do the record that right. really did that seven years of not having a record we were touring we had no new music dude it was just like yeah man that was the reality of shit you know? dude
0: that's amazing yeah and you mentioned briefly the non-profit you know, yeah. So this is a the music mentor podcast. I'm always trying to, you know, for all intents and purposes, you've been a mentor for me lyrically and through your music for, you know, since '97. Thank you. Man. And since we've been friends, you know, you've always been cordial and great. And you're a guy that I know I could ask for any sort of advice and hang out and go get some food or and all this stuff. And I'll ask you about veganism and one yeah. of the reasons why I'm pescatarian now. It's because yeah. of three people, really. You. Nate Fierro tattoo artist at yeah. Kat's shop yeah. and also I love Kat's message behind all that stuff they, the picture she posted everything was like kind of meaningful but yeah. on, going to the uh, towards the uh, uh, nonprofit stuff that you talked about what was the thing that you felt that really like grasped the kids' attentions when you were speaking at these awesome schools
1: I, I think the thing the connection with the One Life and Chance and speaking at schools is that it's just me like I'm not in a suit I'm not a recovering addict. I didn't lose my wife and my family over drugs. I never tried anything. Um, the way I look at my tattoos, they can relate to me. The people I have in my PowerPoint at that point, at that time, was like C.J. Wilson. He was a picture of the angels who was straight, just so alive. Haley Williams, Chapman, New Front Glory. Um, CM Punk, when he was wrestler right, at that time. Right, right, right. So all these people they can relate to. Like,
0: holy shit, those guys don't do drugs and they're still successful. You know, um, Dude, my boy Adam saw Adam Porras I've told you about a great guitar player um, He saw you at the first time I saw you at a show at the Roxy many years ago and Was it
1: the fundraiser for the thing? We're I think it was
0: a fundraiser It was like right before the, class, the school of rock class show that you came to yeah, yeah, yeah And that day I met my now wife actually But um, Adam saw you and he's like Holy shit, dude Toby looks younger than I am And he's like <laughs> 15 years older than yeah. I got to quit smoking and drinking and he quit. Mm. It was that's awesome. Yeah, it's one of those. Holy
1: shit. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, my whole shit is lead by example and not be preachy but be teachy and like try to give facts about, you know, maybe why I look young, living this drug-free lifestyle, being a vegan, not eating meat, exercising, doing what you love. I think that's key to having a positive life. Um, it's easy to be positive when I don't have a boss and I have a, Wonderful wife and kid, and a roof over my head, and I do what I love. But some people don't have those opportunities, and some people work miserable jobs just to keep food on their tables for their families. But yeah. I also feel like people don't have to do what they don't want to do. I feel like everybody has a, we all, if you're healthy and you, everything in your body works, and you're functioning human. And you want to do something, you just got to do it. Because my band started as a joke. Everything I, everything in the beginning of this band was not supposed to happen. I was a roadie that was supposed to play the back role. I wasn't supposed to be doing, I was supposed to be singing. I wasn't supposed to be doing anything touring. And we just kept pushing and pushing and jumping on people's shows and believing in ourselves. And here we are 25 years later. You know, I didn't have a degree in music. I, I'm not a trained singer. I'm not even a trained speaker. And because I started speaking at schools is because of the lyrics and the message that my band has been doing for over 20 years that these people that were fans of my band said, hey, you should come to the school and speak because you're a straight edge dad covered in tattoos and never did drugs. You're about positivity. And I think kids need role models these days. You can come try to inspire these kids. So back to One Life and Chance and my PowerPoint. PowerPoint. These are my friends who died of overdose. These are my friends who are successful for not doing anything. These are some of the people I met. Here's Adam Blake, my bass player, in a wheelchair. He had food, po- uh, alcohol poisoning. We found him face down the butt at No Effects Festival. All my shit's just real shit. And I feel like that's why they connected. And then after that, I was talking to them. I'm not there to promote my band. They don't know who I am. I don't give a fuck if they even listen to my band afterwards. I'm just trying to sp- like, here's me. I'm in a band. I don't shit on my wife. I never overdose. Never try anything. Right. I-, I have a longevity. I never sort of made records. I'm not on the TV. I'm not on the radio. I do what I love. And... I never gave in to peer pressure. I never gave in to being a follower. I got picked on for not doing drugs. I got picked on for only loving skateboard, not dating girls in high school. They called me gay. They said I was going to marry my skateboard. Um, all that shit, like just believing in yourself, that's my whole message to the school. And I feel like they relate to that because most of the kids there in the audience. Have had way more experience than with drugs and alcohol than I ever will.
0: Right, especially Same when it gets here. to older yeah. high
1: schools and shit like that. Dude, so like, L.A. Like high schools,
0: gnarly. Like, dude, as your father from a mm-hmm. in the L.A. school system, yeah. And me as a teacher, the stuff that I hear, like drama about so and so, and it's so much farther along than anything that maybe it's an East a coastal thing where in yeah. the East Coast doesn't happen. Yeah, Hollywood parties and what they do. As like freshmen, yeah. that shit wasn't even <clears throat> happening in college in Boston. No? I know. It's scary it's, being a parent, it's especially in LA. I don't think about
1: it sometimes, like, oh, I'm raising my son in LA, but like, I am. And like with social media and how aggressive kids can be towards each other. And- right.
0: But you know, you, as you know, childhood is the most important thing in the world, basically. And yeah. you you and Moon are phenomenal. Max is a great, great kid. And, you know, it's
1: scary because we're raising him in this society with social media and in Los Angeles and Hollywood and the Kardashian land and all that. So I feel like we're very lucky. We're doing a good. He's turning out really well. He's respectful. He's like one of the only kids out of his whole crew that doesn't do any drugs or alcohol. Right. You know, he feels no pressure from them. He's exactly like me. cared about girls, later on girls, but kids about skateboarding, first and foremost, right. and music. You know, I'm very, I'm very lucky,
0: man. No, that's scary. great, man. And, you know, you've been a, a positive role model for a lot of people. And I wanted to mention like I told you my friend Melanio. So my buddy Melanio who's a massive H2O fan, he's from in Venezuela. He the way that you've inspired people like me to become musicians and other people to do other things. Melanio is one of the most important people and I'm not exaggerating in Venezuela right now who has been fighting for human rights. That's what the shirt's from. From the shirt, Sick. from uh, Redes Ayuda, his uh, his company and foundation and in, in nonprofit, basically. So it's awesome that you have an impact on all these people, but you're actually having an impact on somebody that is, you know, one of, you know, how founding fathers are very important in the history of America. Yeah. Years from now, we're going to look back and the people that have helped the most in Venezuela in the last. 15 years and he's one of those guys he just recently after two years of fighting he released some students that were in prison uh by just peacefully protesting holy shit and all this other stuff he puts out a lot and, and i, I want to make sure i get this out because it's important for you to know also you've only not only inspired his him via the message but your entrepreneurship stuff with your brand yeah That's why he has developed you know his company and his foundation yeah. and all this other stuff because of, of you as well. So you're you're you stretch out or you reach many more people that aren't just musicians or people in LA. And that's or, a positive
1: you know, impact of social media too. It is. That's the one positive thing. Yeah.
0: So I mean, I'm obviously that's very awesome, man. I'm proud like of you to be as a friend, and I'm proud of of Milano and and uh, it's just amazing how your music, music in general, but your positive influence music goes beyond. The not doing of stuff, right? Because a lot of people assume that hardcore and straight edge, and that's why I had some beef with straight edge at some point, was I don't want to be the no, no, no person. What yeah. about flexibility? What about being open? Yeah. What about trying other shit, right? Totally. And at some point... I'm married
1: 23 years, so girl's not even straight edge. Right,
0: right. So, I mean, so, But at some point, there's accountability, right? Which your lyrics also teach. Yeah. It's like, All right, what? So here's the message. It's up to you to do whatever the fuck you want. So... I went a route. Melania goes a route. You went a route. Max yeah. goes a route. Moon goes a different route. If we all do, and but it's. It, I think it's it's really cool for you to know that you're impacting people that are having massive historic impact in this country. It's, it's like if you, yeah. if, I, if I told you years from now that like I don't know, dude, Ocasio Cortez or you know Kamala Harris listens to. Your stuff. It's crazy. You'd be like, yeah. holy shit, really? That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and that's I know we, awesome, man. We only got a couple of minutes here, but I wanted to ask you a couple of things. One, as a podcaster, what? how do you think your life has changed or what have you learned about yourself since you became a podcaster?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's very therapeutic. I mean, starting out with my mom, obviously, and my brother's. And talking about things that we really didn't talk about before. That was cr- I was here. That yeah, was, I know you witnessed all crazy. that. Yeah. Especially the especially what we talked about, especially recording and putting it out to the world. That was really nerve wracking. I was nervous about releasing the first one with my mom.
0: Dude, that story about your grandfather your grandma and your grandpa. Yeah, dude, shit. all, that, shit. They so gotta all listen that to that.
1: All that stuff was really never talked about all of us together in a room like this. But yet I had them on the microphone and started talking about like one on one so people can hear it. That was pretty heavy, man. And a lot of that stuff that came up open up I think it made us closer and opened up some more doors that were closed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's been very therapeutic. I love talking to people that inspire me. I love talking to all my old friends that I haven't talked to in a while and getting them on the podcast and like almost catching up with them on the podcast and just what everybody's up to and what, how, you know, we all come from kind of the same place, how it affected them in their regular life now as adults and as parents and stuff or some that aren't parents. And just for like, I'm not the only person that's been affected by this music and movement and scene and seeing my other friends who are in their 50s as well, or getting up there and having children, It's just see what everybody's doing and their impact still, and how they feel about their roots and stuff. Yeah, it's been really, it's been awesome. And I just try to have good conversations, you know.
0: And if you had, if you could interview one person that you haven't or have no direct contact with, uh, who would it be? they are alive. Yes.
1: I mean, I'd love to. I would love to talk to Prince, man. Yeah. They would have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been good. I like to talk to Madonna. That'd be great. Yeah. I have no contact for her, but, um, cool, but yeah, man, Prince would have been awesome, man. Fuck, you're a big fan, massive fan of Prince. I would love to talk to Prince about everything, even his vegetarianism, his animal rights shit too. That really, not many people talk about. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting.
0: And um, yeah, that, so that's my my last question. When it c- comes to <laughs> veganism and all that stuff, and I'm sure you've talked about this at nauseum before, but what would you say to somebody that is flirting with the idea of veganism, being a vegetarian, what to focus on, the ethics of it. That's why I quit. I quit because I got tired of seeing videos of people like yourself and other people posting how these beautiful baby cows are getting slaughtered and pigs and all that. And at some point I was like, I cannot be complicit to this. I eat fish and I'm a bit hypocritical, but it's from... Dude, thirty years of eating. There'll be, no fish, there'll, eating, there'll be no fish soon, though. Right. So, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, the overfishing. It, you
1: know, um, but, I, I, for me, it was those pita videos as a kid when I saw those videos, and I was like, "I love my dog, but I'm eating these animals. What's the difference?" When you, when people actually, when people say oh, I'm a dog lover and I'm animal lover, they, they eat animals it's so weird to me that because people want to separate the pig from the cow from the dog and the cat we, we're right. supposed to like have cats and dogs but somehow pigs and cow and all these other animals were chosen for us to eat why is that they're all equally same actually pigs are pretty much almost smarter than dogs um so the, the thing i would say to people who want to transition take baby steps don't fucking dive head heels into that shit read read a diet for a new america follow plant-based news on instagram um Realize you don't need, you don't need protein from animals to survive. You don't need all that protein. People eating meat three times a day. You really even need to eat meat maybe once a week. If you, you don't even have to eat it, but if you're telling yourself you do, uh, realize that gorilla is one of the most strongest animals on the planet who's a fucking vegan. Um, and it's like we're, we're kind of like programmed to like have the, the the food groups like the dairy, the wheat, the milk, um, all that like. Uh, milk does the body good or you have to drink milk for calcium right um, all that separate program but the world's changing fast the fact that like Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger is at Del Taco and Burger King and fucking Fat Burger and it's the number one burger with your mommy and Kentucky Fried Chicken just just dropped this thing called the imposter chicken is fake and it's sold out in four days in the whole country wow and that... Veggie grill is so good. Veggie dude. grill. And there's all these opportunities. The fact of the matter is you don't... If people are feeling bad about eating animals, now's the perfect time not to eat them. There's so many way better healthy alternatives that don't cause fucking blood disease and cholesterol. There's so many alternatives to it. You don't have to have... One reason why people are eating meat now is because they like the taste and they can have it. They think... They think... What I want to see what happens is going to happen is that meat... Like, steak's gonna be like a luxury. Steak's gonna be like 100 to $200, and that's how it should be. There'll be less killing for that, but you have to pay like 100 to $200 per steak. That's gonna be like a luxury, not something you have every single day. Right. And what's sad is, is that all the obesity in, in the country is that obviously people go to McDonald's and spending two bucks on a hamburger and fries, it's cheap because people can't afford. But the mis- biggest misconception of veganism is that it's expensive, but um, you can even hit me up. You can Google vegan on a budget. You need beans and rice and nuts and greens and grains, all that shit's so fucking cheap, buy it in bulk. Yeah. You know, people think it's like this crazy thing, like, oh my God, I'm gonna give up meat and I'm gonna eat fucking grass. No, dude, it's 2019. There's so many fucking alternatives. There's so many options to eat healthy. And the fact of the matter is that you know, dairy and eggs, all that stuff, it's all factual cause the cholesterol and heart disease and meat and all that stuff. So it's not me preaching right now and telling you what to do. The facts are out there. Just Google it. You have a fucking phone in your hand all day long. Just Google where protein comes from. Google where your shit comes from. If you want to watch a video, go to PETA and look at those videos, man. Like It's, it's crazy because my wife, I've been trying to get my wife off Diet Coke for fucking 20 years. She drinks Big Gulps every fucking day. But two weeks ago, this video came out. The Billie Eilish, that's her name? Billie Eilish. Shit. Billie Eilish fucking posted to 29 million people because she's vegan that they un- did this undercover story of these Coca-Cola farms where all these cows are getting beat up. Why Coca-Cola has farms? They do something with dairy. Hmm. But my wife posted on her Facebook and said, I'm done with pop. My wife hasn't drank Coke ever since this video. And I've been telling her forever, quit the Coke, quit the Coke, but she does want to hear it from me and Max. Right. But because of this video that came out of this Coke farm, you should check it out. It's fucking gnarly. And that Gobilia Billy Ellis with a fucking name, she posted it it's
0: crazy. Yeah. That's the hardest thing I ever had to quit. I've quit alcohol, cigarettes, fast food. Yeah. But soda was the hardest thing. Yeah,
1: I'm still struggling. But this yeah. shit, I'm
0: a shout out to Lemon
1: Perfect. Yeah, this is amazing. That's helping by by her too. Oh my
0: god, I'm, I'm, you know, talk about addiction. Issues. Yeah, this and is like Black like is plain
1: tea. She's trying to wean herself off that. That's great. But um, the reality of the matter is that the world's changing fast, and like. Um, seafood houses and steak houses they're going to be fucking gone they're going to be it's going to be and then like maybe 10, 20 years from now we're going to look back and be like holy shit I can't believe we were people were being that barbaric still in 2019 like slaughtering animals and killing like thousands of animals down at Farmer John's for the, uh, the Dodger dogs like all the, this place we go and we go outside these visuals I'm going to take you to you go and you feed the pigs in the truck before they get slaughtered. You give yeah. apples and water. You have these last moments of this human contact where they've been raised like shit their whole entire lives. And then for this 10 minutes, they get to see that humans are actually nice and feed them. And then 10 minutes later, you hear being screamed, murdered. And that's thousands of pigs weekly they get made into Dodger dogs. And on the outside of this building downtown, there's all these pigs frolicking on these farms wearing Dodger hats smiling with the humans and it's all bullshit. Like, everything on these murals is such bullshit. Damn. It's fucking heavy, dude. I took my son there. It's, it's fucking... It's overwhelming. But I feel like now, the world's being more conscious because the planet's fucking failing. The planet's fucking dying. We've raped and pillaged this fucking planet. The planet's over us. And now people realizing that even if I have a Prius... And I take uh, short showers. It doesn't mean shit because one hamburger takes 600 gallons of water. So when everybody was when they were saying there was a drought in California because of the almonds, it was fucking bullshit. Less than four hours away from here is a place called Calveshutes. It's the biggest slaughtering place ever of animals ever, all yeah, it's in up California. North, right? yeah. yeah, and the number one cause of all pollution in the whole entire world is the flatulence from the cows. It's their fucking gas more than any fucking car. It's the slaughter of animals. It's killing this planet. It's crazy, man. It's but when people say I take short showers and I drive a Prius and I'm an environmentalist, but then you eat a hamburger. That that one hamburger makes all that shit mean nothing, dude. Right. It's crazy, man. So when people are like, you should save water. Me and my wife and the kid, we were filling up our fucking baby pool full of water knowing like, you know what? We haven't had animals in like 30 years. We, can, we we deserve to have a pool full of water because just a couple of hamburgers fill up this pool. It's
0: fucking crazy. Nuts, so
1: all that shit, people should watch What the Health. People should watch Cowspiracy. People should watch Unity film. Um, those are like four major ones are like will change your fucking... If you can sit through the first scene... Of Unity film, which is no slaughter. It's just showing you the stress and anxiety of a cow before it dies. This one scene, if you're not bawling like a baby and realize, like, holy shit, this is actually something with feelings and a brain, like, that movie really fucked me up, Unity film. And Earthlings, too. But I've already seen this shit. I already know this shit. I, I just torture myself. Like, how can I become, like, more of a vegan? I can't. Right. But I watch these <laughs> fucking videos and torture myself. Matt Moon be like, yo, what are you looking at? I'm looking at all these videos online making me crazy. Like, It's hard not to watch it, but like, it just sucks because I feel like if any of those documentaries were showed at every single high school in the country, which would never happen because all the food that gets, all the food being fed to our kids in school is all connected to uh, the meat industry, which is connected to the pharmaceutical industry, because all of them are all connected. And the same companies that cause heart disease are being sponsored by the same companies who cause that. It's crazy, like, the pink ribbons and all those cancer yogurt. When that's like, it's a rib, it's a pink ribbon month for breast cancer awareness on the yogurt on the yogurt containers. shitting that yogurt causes breast cancer. It's fucking crazy, man. You have to watch what the health. Yeah. It's scary because it's all about money and big money, big business. Yeah, but what's yeah, amazing yeah. now is that the fact that I don't we saw this a couple weeks ago. Arby's came out with this carrot. It's made out of all meat. It's a carrot. It looks like a carrot. It's made out of all meat. It's like the fuck you clap back to the to the fake meat happening now. Oh no, I did not see that. Like, Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger are the biggest threat to the meat industry ever. They're so fucking shook. And now every single – even like – what's that place I would never go to because they're anti-gay? Oh, Chick Fil A. Yeah, something. they're doing fi- every single person, every single company's doing fake meat now. It's crazy. It's nuts. And I, you know
0: why they're doing it because they're making money, not because they want to make an impact. They're not. They're like, oh,
1: I do this- like I. What I the positive side of it is that it's saving lives. That's all that matters to me. Like of this is the biggest trend. It's saving the planet. It's trying to save the planet. So, but I'll never step my foot and get the Burger King fucking Whopper. I'll never go into some of these places. I do fuck with the Del Taco, Beyond
0: Taco. It's fabulous, dude. Is it? It's two bucks. It's amazing, dude. I went to Taco Bell the other day. It's kind of like last resort and I got a like a vegetarian burrito and it was pretty damn good.
1: Yeah. So I mean, for me, baby steps, you know, don't dive head. If if you're going to make this commitment, you know you're going to make it for the rest of your life and if you ate meat your whole life and you're trying to change now, take your steps, cut out this, cut out that, try this, try that, try tofu, try the beyond, try the impossible. Follow plant-based news. Look into like where you get your proteins from, all that, just kale, quinoa, um Quinoa is like a pure protein, beans or rice, easy, cheap, two bucks at Chipotle. Um, it's just easy, man. You can do it. It's 2019. There's options in the everywhere now. There's no excuse now. The only reason why people wouldn't do it now because, oh, I like doing my, like my chicken taste. Yeah. I love my Big Mac. It's all guilt and selfishness and people that don't want to actually face reality where it comes from. If any of those people just watch one video, they were like, holy shit. But people don't want to see that. They block it but out. Some man. people
0: watch it and they still do it that's that's the reality that's crazy too too. Yeah, yeah it's crazy yeah but because
1: you know why because it's normal like you're supposed to do that
0: yeah exactly
1: just like people think oh women and men only only should be married right Uh, this is what what society says we're supposed to we're supposed to we have to go to church or we have to do this because this is how everything is supposed to be Um, but the punkest thing of all is to go against all that grain and figure out shit for yourself and read about things yourself and learn about where all your shit comes from. Everything goes in your body where that comes from. And that's the thing you could be is always like questioning what's normal, you know? And that's how the world's changing now. It's actually normal to hear the word vegan now. It wasn't when I was what? Yeah. Vegan? Vegan didn't the fuck yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was eating falafels and shit.
0: Starving it, and torn and shit. Dude, I appreciate you. Well, you've helped me change my eating. My wife also never really ate a lot of meat, but since we've been pescatarian ish yeah. we're trying to make the transition. That's the final step
1: right to... there. I mean, you're getting down but, to that.
0: Um, so I know I, I've told you before that these were the last two questions, but these are for me <laughs> the last two questions. One of them, really quick. If you met a stranger and they asked you, oh, Cole, you're in a band, what H2O song would you tell them that encapsulates who the band is? You, Adam, Rusty, Todd, Todd, like I would say, five-year plan. Five-year plan. Five
1: plan. Even Family, that, even though
0: Adam didn't record it.
1: Five-year plan. What happened?
0: Okay. What happened? Wow. Okay.
1: That that became one of our that became one of our biggest songs still to this day. Everywhere we play that song, man, that's incredible. And what's crazy is Memory Lane's one of our biggest songs in South America. and That's off the Go record.
0: So okay. oh, yeah, right, right, right.
1: Um, let me see what we say, man. One life, one chance.
0: Yeah. Obviously. Okay. It's another one, and last, it's gonna be super cheesy, but this is how I met you, and this is how I'm gonna end this podcast. <laughs> what is your current five year plan? Where do you see yourself in five it's years? It's crazy
1: because now I'm on my 25 year plan, it's fucking crazy. That song, I didn't know what I was gonna do five years after that song, and now I have 25 years later, and now I'm 49 years old. It's crazy, man. I mean, for us, like, we still love playing, we still like our last two records had a seven year in between, so we be making a record pretty soon we've been talking about actually some shit it's been a couple years since the last one dude don't fix when ain't broke we're healthy we're happy we love what we do we don't do it full time we do other things to make income and make make our lives yeah and we get the tour we want we get to go pick two weeks here two weeks there I mean Rusty's 55 but he loves still playing so it's like we're gonna keep playing until the kids stop coming and as of right now kids are getting into us new generations people yeah, are bringing man. their kids to our shows our kids are getting younger at their shows I mean, we never really had plans. None of us, man. Like, we didn't plan on this to be our career. We didn't plan on this to be more than a joke. Um, so for us, we kind of just live our lives, man, to like, as long as we're happy, we have roof overhead and we're healthy. That's the key to everything. We still love doing it for fun. There's really no plans for us. I mean, I'm trying to think when Use Your Voice came out. That was 2000, what year that came out. Because if that's the case, we still have like another three years to make a record because we do seven years now. It's been our lucky thing. That's awesome. But yeah, man. Just keep playing music. Still, like. You're podcasting your ass off. Yeah, I got my podcast now. It's doing really, really well. And um, definitely my merchandise. Definitely want to do more of a nonprofit. Um, I have where, a, where can people go to check out your dot com is my, my nonprofit. H2Omerch.com is the merch. No, I really. I got some schools coming up. Hit me up for next year. I missed a lot of schools by H2O becoming like a full time thing for a while because I was really doing the schools a lot. And then when H O did nothing to prove, when we came back, I was just, okay. So I do love the schools. I wish I could do them more. Um, I want to try to do more schools for sure. I love doing that. It's it's uh, it's an experience that has it's nothing compared to being on stage and playing right. songs. It's nothing like that. Yeah, it's something more rewarding and, and impactful and happens faster I think now like by the time I'm walking out their kids are DMing me yeah. or they're handing me a drawing or it's like something you know I love playing music and preaching the converted and go and play our shows and people know what to expect but I like going into a room with a bunch of kids who look at me like I'm a fucking freak tell my story inspire them and they realize oh shit like I can do that too or not all people with tattoos are tattooed, so drug addicts I like breaking the stereotype right. I like, the, awesome, cha- I like the challenge of it it's like going on stage and playing to a new audience you know like yeah oh. Which, which still happens to us. But um, yeah, man. Just keep doing and doing. man. I, I'm, you know, being part of my son's journey. He won't be, yeah. you know, he's not going to be here in five years living at home. It's going to be interesting. You know? ah, yeah.
0: yeah. And have
1: my new life and my wife with just me and her again like it was before. That's going to be a whole different chapter in my life too.
0: Yeah, of course. Interesting, right. man. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. And also want to thank you for the, the massive impact you've had in my life. And to me, it's surreal. You know, I've been very fortunate to befriend a lot of my idols and people that I grew up uh, listening to and you know H two O in your music will always be essential in my life, and I listen to it all the time. I just went. To, I told you I just went to Boston. Uh, I hadn't been there in a few years, and I just walked down Bolson Street and seen everywhere where I would try to skateboard because ah. I was never really that good. And I just put on the oh, the, the discography or the first three records, and I just walked. Awesome. Down, and it was just incredible. Thank, so you, thank you, and I also want to thank you for. The people that haven't had the opportunity or don't have the guts or they're too shy to thank you for all that. So I'm thanking you. I'm, I'm taking the step to thank them, thank, thank you on their behalf. But, dude, thanks so much for your time and your friendship. And I'm, I'm stoked on your podcast and all this other stuff. And Thank
1: you. Thanks um, for helping out, too. Appreciate it, man. People listening now that I hit my, when I start my podcast, come help me. You help me get all my shit started. I appreciate that. Dude, man. my
0: pleasure, man. All right, guys. This was the Music Mentor Podcast. Thanks
1: for listening, y'all.